Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Turn and handle into left side. Find a little bit of a hole. Take his right, moving. He's across the 40. Midfield. 45. He's on the wrong way. 40. Pushes the man. 35. Look at him go. He's down to 20. 15. He's going to go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. I'm retired. Is that good enough? Which camera you want me to look into? I'm done. Marshawn Lynch is a very unpredictable figure, and he could have plans one day that change the next. Even those who know him best know how unpredictable he can be. So to pinpoint exactly what he's going to do is very difficult. And welcome to the Game Plan Podcast. So much to talk about. What's going on with Richard Sherman? What's going on with Beast Mode? The draft is in two weeks. And then the NFL schedule will be released next week. Brian Perkins. Like, it's been a minute since we've been on here doing a game plan. And I'm joined by Brian Perkins. Follow him on Twitter at Perkins Radio 13. I'm Judah Newby. This is a game plan podcast on 1029 The Game. Dot com. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I can't believe how much is going on right now. And the Seahawks, the last few years, have had the weird off-seasons, right? Like, you get the Percy Harvin trade. Always you something get the, weird. the Jimmy Graham in the off-season a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it always seems like there's something that, like, kind of comes out of left field. And I think the Richard Sherman story, more than anything else, has really dominated the off-season for Seattle. And rightfully so. But the draft is not—I mean, this is a huge draft for a team that's getting older in key areas. And not just the offensive line. And, you know, I mean, this is a draft where, you know, are they going to draft corner? Are they going to try to get, you know, better on the front line? It's just amazing how important the decisions that Pete Carroll and John Schneider make this offseason are going to really dictate, I feel like, how the next, you know, three or four years or beyond that really go for Seattle. So let's start with that Richard Sherman narrative. This is fascinating and and, and shocking. Bizarre? Is that a good word for it? (laughs) Over time, it's made a little bit more sense, I guess. It's just disappointing because I don't see a way that the Sherman conflict in Seattle is resolved without consequence one way or the other. Either they do go through with a trade for with Sherman for, to another team, and if that's the case, then that really just changes his entire relationship with the franchise and, and everything that he's brought to the Seahawks franchise, making some of the most iconic plays, being one of the top corners in football in the times that he's been here. But what if he does come back to the organization after all of this? It Either way, Perkins, it's not going to be the same feeling as it was before, and that disappoints me. I agree with you. I don't think it will. The, the only thing I'll say to that is if the team this year goes 13-3 and and wins a Super Bowl, winning usually cures everything. Yeah. And I know that the ghost of, of 2015 Super Bowl will never, ever, ever, it feels like, um, go away. I still feel like if they keep Richard Sherman, if they start the season hot and they play well throughout the year and consistent and get to the Super Bowl and win a championship, I, and, and look, that's a huge if, right? But even if they just have a really, really good season, I just don't see how this doesn't go away in the sense that Winning seems to solve a lot of issues all the time in sports. Whether the player's been in trouble off the field, oh, well, he wins. It's a redemption story. Chemistry issues, they start winning. All of a sudden, it wasn't chemistry issues. It was just hammering things out and figuring it out. So I don't think this is a must-trade situation, but the comments by uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll being so transparent about you know their plans to move him or to do whatever with him 
has been pretty surprising to me, Judah. But the one thing that's annoying me a little bit are the fans that are like, well, you know, he has a bad attitude. You need to get him out of town, blah, blah, blah. He's being unprofessional. Those things might be true. But where were you when Richard Sherman was outspoken when the team was doing well? And he was talking junk on the field and he was yelling at Michael Crabtree after the game. And he was super emotional when they were winning games and had the passion. You have to take the good with the bad. That type of of personality is going to be present in whatever situation you're in. This team had had a rocky few seasons. That's not always going to be a positive, you know, takeaway from it. I just don't feel, I feel like his personality is to be outspoken and to speak his mind. And that is not going to change if the team is good or bad. And I don't think that it's a tradable offense. Yeah, I I don't agree necessarily. I don't think all emotion is created equal. You can't just, I personally don't feel that way. I think Richard Sherman has been, what, what do we think of when we think of Richard Sherman and his brand? We think of eloquence, more mature than a lot of other diva cornerbacks like Aqib Tlaib. I mean, you don't see him getting in trouble off the field. His brother is his brand manager and his agent. We think of all the, you know, going to Stanford. And so if you could describe him in one word, what would it be? Describe Richard Sherman in one word, competitive. I would say passionate. Yeah. And to me, and this, this is, um, but there's a difference between I'll go ahead and let you finish well, that thought. Sorry, let me just say this real quick. Yeah, and I felt this way in the kind of the early to mid two thousands with the uh, with the Jailblazers, if you will. Rasheed Wallace was a guy that was super passionate about basketball and like really cared, and got a lot of technicals because of it because he couldn't control his emotions, and a lot of fans didn't like him for that. Yet we clown these players who say they don't care about the game. I feel like you can't have it both ways. Like, if you want someone that cares about the game, unfortunately, there are going to be repercussions from time to time for that. I I don't think you can expect someone who's emotional and who cares to completely closet their feelings when things are going bad and you're finding adversity. Now, has he handled it as well as he should have? No. Should he be airing it out in the media in the middle of the season? No. But I also think that there are, I mean, it is going to happen. It's inevitable when you have a, a personality like that with someone that cares that much about winning. There are going to be situations like this when there is controversy and when there is adversity. Well, I, and I could understand that in an isolated circumstance. The the my problem is he's now reinforced subverting the team. That I don't think comes with the territory. I get what you're saying. So Do the, you know what I mean? So the sideline outburst happens. That the, that type of stuff the happens. One, the one thing in the media happens, and then you say, "Look, we aired it out. We're good. Everything's good." The, it even, ends. Even if you have a feud with Daryl Bevel one time, that's fine. To bring it up again and again, yeah. At this point, it's a vice to me, and that that disappoints me. But he's only he just turned twenty nine years old last or two weeks ago. He turned twenty nine. I personally think there's going to be a moment when Richard Sherman, maybe he's thirty two or thirty three, he looks back on his twenties and regrets some stuff. I, you know, this might be hypocritical because I'm in the middle of my twenties right now, and I know I'm going to regret some stuff looking back on my life, but. I can't see how he can feel good about the way he's handled some of this stuff. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. I mean, I think I I, I totally get where you're coming from. I just look at it as well as you look at Richard Sherman, and I'm okay with the emotional outbursts from time to time. Yes, the problem is is when things settle down, then you kind of have to go, okay, I flew off the handle a little bit. They understand why I'm upset. Let's move on. Let's try to get, you know, let's try to make this team better. Let's try to improve and find a way that we can get better as a unit. And and he hasn't put the team first from that standpoint. 
But I still don't think that at this point it's a tradable offense. I don't think that you try to ship out one of your best secondary players. You try to work it out, at least through training camp, don't you? I think I would agree as far as a timeline. I just, once once training, once team activities start, that's when the questions start from the media. Yeah. Like, and, 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 that and valid nev- questions, that, by the way. Absolutely This isn't the Damian questions. Lillard in six games. The, this, is, uh, this is a legitimate concern. The mutuality of this situation bothers me. Or, I don't, should, I'm not sure if it should bother, bother me, but it does. The fact that Sherman has been so outspoken about, obviously, his thoughts and his feelings about the team. And then what you brought up earlier, the mutual aspect that John Schneider has been like, yeah, we're, we're looking at what the trade value for this guy could and would and perhaps should be. I'm intrigued. What do you think the trade value is for Sherman? Is it a first rounder? I think that he's still a very, very good player. Yeah. Is I mean, he the best a- corner in the league? I don't know. He, I think he regret, fell off a little bit last year. Not a lot, but no, a little bit. Not a lot. Um, I, I think that he is a first round and a good NFL player. P- current NFL player. I think he's a top five corner. Sorry. I think that he is a first, like, what you, the value is a first round pick and a NFL starting caliber player. Got it. So whatever that means. Is that, uh, that's, you know, that's a, a first high. round pick from the Browns and Joe Thomas? Probably not going to happen. But a oh, man could dream. Here's the thing, though, is how, and this is the other red flag. And as I'm, as much as I'm defending Richard Sherman, I'm not going to deny that there, there's clearly a rift here and an issue. And I think the Seahawks have valid concerns. The big red flag to me is Sherman is still so damn good. And your secondary right now is pretty depleted in terms of corners. And you're still willing to accept trade talks on that and get rid of your best guy and really sacrifice any depth that you have at that position. That tells you how big the issue is, that they are willing to even go down that road when they have such a philosophy on the defensive side of the ball about not allowing explosive play, really buttoning things up. And I know a lot of that starts on the front line, right? Like if you can get a pass rush, you're not going to allow a lot of deep plays and guys getting over the top. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, right now you have Earl Thomas coming off of a leg break. Cam Chancellor is a very good player, but he's had injury issues and contract issues, you know, the last few years. Deshaun Shedd is out with an ACL. Jeremy Lane had a down year. What do you have at corner right now? And you're willing to trade the one good piece you really have at that position? That's, I mean, that I think speaks to to how they view the situation as well. And I, I think that will be an indicator. If we ever do get to find out what the Seahawks asking price has been, I wonder if part of it is you got to give us your top corner. And the other question I have too, or a really good corner in return, if they ever find a trade partner, are, do the Seahawks at all? Do they at all concern themselves with trading to the NFC versus the AFC? Like if for a guy like Sherman, if if you trade Sherman to Dallas, let's say Dallas or Green Bay mm-hmm. or the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, I know Vikings have other wow. issues, but yeah, but that would be a six secondary <laughs> if Sherman went to Minnesota. I know it's not going to happen. Ooh, I mean, that would, I don't think that they would want that anyway. But you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if, are you trading him to a contender in the NFC? Because aren't you really hurting yourself by doing that? Or would you prefer to send him to the AFC where, yeah, you might have to face him, but it's going to be in February <laughs> if you are facing him. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. Is there I, a concern there at I, all? I don't think so. I really don't. Because it, to me, that brings in his positional value. I think if you were trading a wide receiver or a, or a, or a talented offensive weapon that you have to game plan against, you know, and you're going to see him, you know you're going to see him at some point. 
to me, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I figured that would that would factor in more for like, say, if Jimmy Graham went to the Packers or Jimmy Graham went to Dallas or something. Richard Sherman going to another team. Look, we've seen teams that play the Seahawks all the time. They know how to game tailor an offensive game plan, a successful one that doesn't involve testing Richard Sherman. I feel like that would he he wouldn't concern me as as far as making another team better. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's a little concerning. That's the risk you always take when you're training a team away. But in terms of isolated matchups, whenever you get to face them now, that, that wouldn't concern me too much. But w- it's funny that the Patriots are the team that's come up in a lot of these discussions. The Patriots, a fascinating offseason, totally rededicating themselves to retooling their roster to make yet another push well, Tom Brady only has like seven years left. I mean, he's already forty-one, right? Isn't or forty? It, isn't it incredible? They they get Brandon <laughs> Cooks in a trade with New Orleans. They're they're thinking about letting go of Malcolm Butler. Logan Ryan already walked to the Tennessee Titans. And my question to you is: Is there some strategy there? If Malcolm Butler walks, and th- this, by the way, free agency season has been very bizarre. Very, yeah. it's it, you can just tell the tide has changed with the guaranteed dollars. Players were going out there, I think, expecting more years and more guarantees than they're getting right now. But teams have been exercising some major caution because they've been burned the last three or four years. Yeah. But I'm curious if the Seahawks have anything, any other targets in mind as they shop Richard Sherman around. Yeah, we'll see. You know, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on for sure. We'll talk about this more next week, too. But the draft is in two weeks and the cornerbacks are very, very talented. Here's just some names to keep an eye on. Now, the Seahawks are picking 26, so we're not exactly sure who will be around at that point. But given all the uncertainty at the cornerback position, even given the known uncertainty, who's going to be the number two corner, right? And even when Shed does come back, I'm surprised that they signed him again. I really am. I think it's a blessing for him. He was a restricted free agent. He could have, or an unrestricted free agent, could have gone somewhere else, could have been just left unsigned. But this is a guy that was a Portland State grad, kind of a, a rags-to-riches story, if you will, that ends up having a nice... Uh, he ends up fulfilling his role as a captain in a number two corner on the Seahawks team and then has an injury at the most inopportune time for a player going into a contract. And a guy who can play multiple positions. I mean, he's a guy that's played all over the secondary, that's really. That's true, yeah. So, and Jeremy I, Lane is a guy that doesn't really play outside. Like He's, no, your, he's, he's a, a great nickel guy. Yeah, he's, he's so, going to be a slot guy. Marshawn Lattimore, Ohio State, he won't be around then. Marlon Humphrey from Alabama won't be around then. Gary and Conley won't be around then. Adoree Jackson might be around then. Yeah. Kevin King, Washington, might be around then. Tredavious White, LSU. Jalen Tabor, cornerback from Florida. Mm. Quincy Wilson, a cornerback from Florida. Fabian Moreau, a cornerback from UCLA. Akella Witherspoon, the defensive back from the uh, interception-happy Colorado Buffaloes under Jim Levitt last year. Those are just—I I say the names because I think it's it's a worthy thing to become familiar with those names. A first-round defensive back selection makes a lot of sense for this team. I, I can't help it. I agree, and it's funny how, how our attitude has changed because last year it was like they have to draft an offensive lineman in the first round, which they did. Uh, this time around, though, I completely agree. Your secondary right now— if you're talking about glaring weaknesses on the team, it's corner outside of Richard Sherman, and it's your offensive line as well. And your pass rush could be bolstered a little bit as well. But, man, with how deep the cornerback position is in this draft, I don't know how you don't, you know, go for someone, you know, you know, try to, try to at least target a few guys at that position. If they're not there... If they're not on your big board when it comes around, then maybe you make another decision. But, man, there's too much talent out there to not select 
someone at that position in the first round unless you trade out, of course, which wouldn't shock me either. We'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more either next week or when the week of the draft hits. We'll give a nice game plan this would podcast be, preview. This would be only their th- – if they select in this draft, it would be their third first-round selection in the Pete Carroll-John Schneider era, right? With, with the Harvin and Graham trades, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly don't necessarily covet first-round picks. They covet – a lot of picks throughout the draft. So I'm curious to see the decision they make here. All right. The second topic, Marshawn Lynch who? to the Oakland Raiders. New number. Who dis? Um, I feel the same New way. franchise. Who dis? So he's 30. <laughs> yeah. So we still got, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm deciding not to be surprised by this whole thing. For one, the news is, is not new anymore. Like the connection between Lynch to the Raiders has been around for about a month now. And I feel like that's been a discussion, though, for a long time. Like, is Marshawn Lynch going to want to finish his career in Oakland, where he's from, with the Raiders? I, I feel like that's always been a topic of discussion with him. Like, since he's since he kind of started getting laid on in his career in Seattle, like, are they going to re-sign him? Are they going to extend him? Maybe he wants to finish his career in Oakland. That's always been a topic of discussion, I feel like. So it's, it, this isn't that shocking to me. So he tweets out last night, I'm thankful, yes, Lord." In the only way that Beast Mode can. It's gotten 8,000 retweets. <laughs> um, Bruce Irvin tweets out a gif of Marshawn Lynch dancing. It says, Mode, yes, Lord. Very religious friend group on Easter weekend. Bruce Irvin and Marshawn Lynch. Yes, Lord, indeed. It seems like this is getting really close. The only snags that were left in the way were either the Seahawks and Raiders needed to make a trade or the Seahawks needed to release him of his contract under some agreed-upon terms, and then Oakland could pick him up. It, it, it honestly, it looks officially unofficial now at this point. Unofficially I'm official. I'm happy for him. Yeah. I know that there's... And they lost Latavius Murray. There's a need there. That's the question, though. Is can he can he be a bell cow? I mean, can he be that guy still? Whew. I yeah. want him to be because you know me. I believe that he's he's one of my favorite Seahawks of all time, and I believe he's a Hall of Famer. But the numbers aren't quite there when you're talking about rushing yards. So I would love to see him get a 900,000-yard season to really solidify things. I just don't know if it can happen. You I know, mean, at 30. It works It works out, though, for where this Raiders franchise is at this moment because they're going to Vegas. Yeah, the league is, is ripping the team out. But so, it's going to take yeah. a couple years. Their quarterback is coming off a Week 16 broken leg, and all that you know, good vibes about possibly making a Super Bowl run. We know they are a really, really good team. And it makes a lot of sense for Raider Nation. Now they've got something to really intensely root for for the last two years that they are. I'm speaking strictly for the Oakland fan base, I should say, instead of Raider Nation as a whole. Here you have a hometown kid coming home to finish out his career. Maybe it's one year. Maybe it's two years. But in his hometown, where you know your team's going to leave, in a couple of years, but now you got something to really get behind and, and really root for. That's exciting times to be an Oakland football fan. It is. I'm happy for Marshawn, and I yeah. know that there's some. I feel like there's some of the fan base that's a little bit kind of like, "Hey, that's our guy. Like, why are why are we letting him go? Why are they, you know, letting him go?" First of all, Seattle has moved on. Like, I mean, you look at their roster of running backs right now. Marshawn Lynch just doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. And the money that he would demand this year, if you took him back at his contract as is, is way too much money, firstly. Secondly, let the man finish his career where he wants to finish his career. He gave so much to the Seahawks franchise. I don't know how you don't just go, look, 
thank you for everything you've done. You're going to be, uh, your jersey's going to be up in our rafters soon. Go enjoy, go finish the rest of your career. To the Oakland thing, I want to ask you this. If you found out the Seahawks were moving in three years to Oklahoma City. <laughs> you went there. <laughs> would you still root for the team while you were waiting for the team to move? Because I would not. Ooh. Um, at this point in my life, I would not. I would be devastated. Yeah. And I would certainly never root for that team again. You know, but the you're from Portland. I'm from Portland. The team's already up in Seattle. Some people would say, what does it mean to a Portland fan for a team in Seattle to move from Seattle to Oakland? But or from Seattle to Oklahoma City. But it does matter. It does matter. I mean, it's a Northwest team that we've always grown up rooting for. Yeah, even that's though why we're not... I root for the Seahawks, is because yeah. it's a Northwest team. I, it's funny that people don't understand that there is an actual sporting fan connection between Portland and Seattle. Like, a... Obviously, they're two different cities, but there is 50% or 60% of the NFL fans in Portland, I would guess, are Seahawks fans. The other 30% are Niner fans and... There's Bronco and Raider fans interspersed in there as well, yeah. and then Cowboys, sure, Cowboy and Steeler fans. Too. Yeah, of Back course. Fans. But look, I don't get it. I've never understood. I understand specific rivalries like Sounders Timbers is nothing to laugh at. Uh, you know the I five rivalry back in the day before you know Seattle got their team stolen away from them as well. You know I I totally get all of that, but I I've never understood. We could do a whole podcast on it to be honest. Yeah. Um. But but just my thoughts on you mentioned just the Raiders fans have something to cheer for. I would not cheer for that team. I don't care who's on it. I would not root for them. And in fact, I would want them to lose every effing game any all three years they're there. And I wouldn't give Mark Davis an effing penny of my money. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to any games, but I would still root for the players. Well, I don't want the players to get hurt or and it's hard because if you're rooting for them to to lose, you're rooting for people to fail, essentially. But I would not want Mark Davis to make a penny in his remaining time there. You know, the NFL is a league that says, oh, we hate moving teams. Yeah, you've moved three in the last two years. Maybe shut the hell up, Goodell. Um, I, like, honestly, like, this is how I feel. And maybe I'm just mad about this whole thing because I, I really hate, move. you know, trying to force taxpayers to pay for a stadium for billionaires and then just taking the team away when you don't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a sad situation for everybody. But I get what you're saying. Like, the storyline would be great to me. But if I lived in Oakland and I'm a born and bred Oakland guy, I am not rooting for... For the Raiders, and I do not care that Marshawn Lynch is signed there. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm fully there yet either. I have a buddy who's from Oakland who lives here now, and he's a big Raiders fan. He said he's going to keep rooting for him, but I think the reason is he doesn't still live in Oakland. You know, right. he doesn't have he hasn't lived there in 20 years, so right. he doesn't have that connection anymore. If I live in that town and I'm proud of my city, and they're taking that team away, I mean, you're basically living with your ex girlfriend for three years while she finds a new place to live while she, while her husband, her new husband um, saves up for a house. You know what I mean? Like that's how it feels to me. You know, I got to say though, it's going to, it's going to feel right to see beast mode in silver and black. It, it will. You're right. I feel like that brand power with his brand power makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I, I'm not trying to, no, no, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I, just... I'm happy for him because I do want to see him back in the NFL. The NFL's better with Marshawn Lynch in it as well. Schedule comes out next week. Draft after that. We will be back with a game plan podcast sometime either next week or during draft week to break it all down. The schedule, the draft will be a huge pod. We'll break it all down. And uh, It's funny because the schedule, you already know who they're playing, yeah. but how it sets up is so crucial when, in the NFL when's season. When's the bye week? We always get screwed with a bye. 
See, yeah, they're like, oh, you're doing it week four. Oh, okay, cool. Great. <laughs> Put it in the books. Week four. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So what is that going to look like for the uh, reigning NFC West Though champs? last year, the week four by uh, couldn't... Or was it week four or week five? Either yeah, way. It was early. It couldn't have come soon enough with Russell's injury. I think it was week five <laughs> after the Jets game. There were like five injuries to starters uh, going into that. Yeah, it was. And we were like, we were well, debating whether or not he should play that game, and then he looked pretty dang good. <laughs> Just completely lit up the Jets. Spiller had a touchdown <laughs> catch. Pro size had wow, a touchdown catch. Wow, times have changed. Huh? Wow, what a game that was. Yeah, but I mean, the schedule, you What's know. Up, Breno? There's a lot. <laughs> I see you, James Carpenter. There's a, there's a Seahawks lo- East. <laughs> I'm excited, though. You know, the schedule is always really exciting because you find out when you're playing your rivals if yeah. you still consider the Niners a rival, you know. Yeah, for sure. And that's not an insult to the to the fans. It's just when the team sucks, it's hard for it to be a rivalry. Now we get a root against John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan twice yeah. a year. Yeah. And what are they going to do at the quarterback position? I don't know. I'll take a knee and think about it. But <laughs> I, I'm excited to see their schedule, you know, and they don't have that first place schedule. So, you know, or they do have the first place <laughs> schedule, excuse me, Yeah. again. So that's going to be a little bit difficult for them this year. We'll be back again with another Game Plan Podcast in due time. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. This is Game Plan Podcast on 1029thegame.com.